Hey, everybody, it is Anthony, and you're going to be gardening with me today. So you guys have really, I think we've all endured this insanity of winter already. And you in the Pacific Northwest have gotten so much snow this year that actually I think everybody who's telling me about all the snow, I think they're all lying. And all of us on the East Coast, well, at least in my area, we're, I mean, we had it back in December, I think December 23rd, it was almost 60 degrees and rainy. So I'm going to just file a complaint that we should be getting snow on this side and you guys can have your rain back here. Also, I'll go ahead and send it all back to you guys. And um, we want our snow back. Um, of course, I'm probably pretty sure there's a few people up in this neck of the woods that are uh, waiting for me to walk out of my apartment and they're going to kill me for that. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is I personally love snow um, and I can't, I don't think you can ever have too much of it. But all of that said, now that we've finally made it into January, that I'm actually starting to look forward to the smell of spring. I'm really, really looking forward to um, seeing plants again and flowers and wearing shorts and all that kind of stuff. But uh, of course, we are going to have to crawl before we walk. I totally get that. Um, so I think we can kind of do some starting out with let's start, start some seeds. Um, what do y'all think about that? I think that that is a great way while it's cold outside to almost kind of bring some of that springtime inside and kind of gives us a focus and a direction. Um, you know, we, we really do go through most of the winter dreaming about what we want our garden to be for this upcoming spring and, you know, there's always really, I honestly believe there's only really good ideas um, and ideas that aren't the very best. They only need a little tweaking. I mean, so, you know, I, I think a lot of the great masters in art tell you, take one of your bad ideas and keep working on it. Um, so I'm going to tell you the exact same thing with your garden of, you know, you had an idea, maybe it didn't work out so well, hold on to that idea and let's kind of play around with it. But for now, I say we should start some things indoors. Now on our last show, we had talked to you about uh, some of the things that you need to start collecting to get ready to start uh, planting seeds. Um, so let's just kind of really quickly, I want to kind of run through that. Of course, we want a really good assortment of seeds. I'm pretty big into buying local. If you, if you have the uh, ability to buy local um, and buy organic, I think that's awesome. Uh, otherwise, you know what, buy what you can get. But one thing I'm going to challenge you is step outside your, your, your comfort zone. You know, seeds are not particularly difficult to grow. Uh, there are a few proclivities, and we're going to talk about those, that we need to be a little bit more aware of than others. But let's step outside and let's grow things that we haven't grown before. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of uh, really cool plants that are annuals that I never see anybody grow. Uh, typically, this is when I start buying them up and, I'm, and I want to see... Why is it, why is nobody growing these? And so for the past, I'll say eight or nine years, I've done exactly that. I've started buying them up. Um, 
some really cool, there are some cool vines, you guys, really cool vines. Cup and Saucer, which is um, Kobe Scandon's Cup and Saucer. What a cool vine. Grows lightning fast. Okay, so you all get, I get really, really excited and, and a bit passionate about this because there are just so many cool things. So step outside your comfort zone. And of course, we're going to still keep with what we've got. Um, as far as sun, shade, part sun, part shade, et cetera, et cetera. But let's do something different. Let's mix it up a little bit. So we're going to want seeds. Also, we really do want to have a soil warmer. Now, soil warmers readily available. I'm going to encourage you to hang out at uh, your local nurseries. I know that that all nurseries have these. They look like kind of this little thin mat with a cord running out. You just plug it in. It just uh, brings your soil up to temperature. Now, here's the deal. We have to remember that seeds are not plants. So I say this because people say, well, I should get my lights on them. Well, we don't really need light per se. Uh, light is really at this particular point of the game. It's really for us to say, is it growing yet? Um, so that we can see them. But what we really want to do is we want to get that soil nice and warm because seeds generally tend to be temperature, um, dependent. They need to be in a warm temperature that kind of lets them know, Oh, hey, spring's here. Yay. Um, so soil warmers are important. You're going to need one for uh, at least one warmer for each tray. Typically, I think they're going to run you about 15 to 20 bucks a piece. They're not super expensive. Um, and the moment your plants begin to germinate and you have a good, strong germination, we can go ahead and start pulling that away. Um, also, you know, and, and talking about the soil warmer, let's also kind of throw in there too. We need a warm environment. I know a lot of people would like to start their seeds in a garage and whatnot, but the reality is, is that your garage is probably pretty cold. And, you know, you guys in the Pacific Northwest, you guys have had temperatures in the negative. So I'm pretty sure that your garage is ice cold. So that's not an option. So, but well, we do want to go ahead and find a nice warm area. And, you know, I say do it in a place that you can see it because you can enjoy it every day and watch that whole miracle grow. Um, the little greenhouses, the little greenhouses are those little plastic trays that have the little clear top on it. Um, those are going to be fantastic. Um, if you're looking, though, for containers, then go ahead and buy yourself some containers of the appropriate size. Now, I can tell you that um, in uh, or this month that Garden Spot has all their containers on sale. So go see my friend Paige. I have just had a long conversation with her. Um, she's doing really well. Of course, she is the new owner of Garden, uh, Garden Spot. And go tell her Anthony sent you. And I bet she would just love to see you and would just delight in, in playing with you. So we do need, I like to use those little greenhouses though, getting back to all of that, those little greenhouses because they're, and, and oftentimes I don't even use the cell packs. Um, what I'll do is I'll actually take either some soil and just a nice light loam soil. So we're going to definitely want soil and I recommend seed starting soil, but a nice light loam soil, fill it up. And then I'm going to sow my seeds in there, almost like a little, uh, a little field, if you will. And, you know, keep those on my little warmer, get those to germinate. Once they're germinated, then we'll, we'll go even further. Um, you know, we probably also, um, need to get ourselves uh, the, uh, 
timers with our lights. Now, when we talk about our lights, there's a lot of lights out there that you can choose from. Um, but here is something that I want you to keep in mind is that LED lights are, first of all, very inexpensive and very easy to get. They also do not run up your electric bill. So that's kind of cool. Now, the downside, at least for me with the LEDs is I don't like to be in the same room when they're on. They mess with my eyes, but they, they have the full spectrum. Um, and let, let's talk just a brief moment about the spectrum of light because whenever you start growing anything indoors and you need lights, um, you need to have a, pretty rudimentary and basic understanding of the spectrum of lights. So typically, and and usually when you get your light, it's going to come with this chart that looks really weird and funky that has got these deep, deep blues going into lighter blue to oranges and reds and yellows and all that. And you're probably thinking, excuse me, I don't see any of that when I plug this thing in. Well, we're not going to. But here's for just very basic knowledge. Remember that the blue or the cool colors, the blues, the violets and of that name, that's going to be more for a vegetative growth. So it's going to push a lot of leaves. That's what the leaves need in order to, um, to be healthy, to really, really photosynthesize. But when we go into fall or about peak of summertime if you'll notice outdoors the light becomes almost white and then afterwards we can start seeing a little bit of a yellow to it this is where our other colors come in because this oftentimes tell tells the plant okay it's time to flower particularly if you're looking at things like sunflowers or helianthus um, things of that nature um, people who are growing um, cannabis are keenly aware of all this um, that the light definitely makes a difference as to how your plants are going to react. So very, very basic. The oranges and yellows and uh, and whatnot, that's going to be more for flowering, whereas the blues and whatnot are be more for, for foliage. So we definitely want to, and I always recommend timers because how often do we get really busy because we had nothing to do that day and then we ended up getting so busy that everything ended up getting kind of pushed off. If you get yourself a timer, believe me, it's going to, it'll pay for itself over and over again. And they're like five bucks. So sometimes it's just nicer to let automation take a little bit of that, uh, that responsibility off your shoulder. Of course, we're going to need a nice warm area. So whether it's your living room or a special room that you have, that's terrific or if you're lucky enough to actually have a greenhouse, of course, we all don't hate you for that at all. But if you have a greenhouse, that's obviously so much better. Now, some things to remember that when we do sow our seeds, we always need to have uh, water-soluble fertilizer handy and, and water. But one thing I really do recommend, once you sow your seeds, I know so many people who will go and they'll even have the watering can that has the multi uh multi little sprinkler thing on it and the and they say it still digs up their seeds so what i tend to do is i really do like to use a spray bottle 
and I spray the whole thing down. It takes a few more, a few extra minutes, but it's a nice gentle way. You're going to definitely saturate the top of that. You're going to embed your little seeds in there nice and well. Um, life is good. And then you'll put your little top on that. If, if you've got one of the little greenhouses. So with all of that said, once we have all of these things um, pulled together, then we probably want to select our area, um, kind of go through your seeds, see what you have. I'm not going to recommend at this particular juncture doing things like impatience and things of that nature. But what I will say is let's start something a little bit interesting. One of the things I really enjoy starting early are my annual vines. So things like Thumbergenia, it's also called Black-Eyed Susan. Uh, again, Cobea Scandens. There are so many of them. I really do encourage you to look around and find some because there's one that is called a cardinal flower that is just as gorgeous red. And a lot of these are going to be great pollinators, excellent for butterflies. I mean, they're a win, 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 win. And then at the end of the season, you rip it down and throw it in the compost and life is good as we know it. So, and then you start next year and do the same thing over again. So let's start with our, uh, our, our, our vines. I want to start with those. And typically when I start with them, I like to put those in a little bit different of a pot. Those are going to be one of the very few things that I'm not going to put in a little flat or something like that. I'm actually going to put them in either a four inch pot or I have been known as well to start them in the containers that they're going to live their life in. And then I begin adding flowers around that once spring comes around. I think it's a really, really, really cool idea to do that because you can get some of the best displays of flowers and you're going to constantly catch people's attention because most people literally rely on what nurseries have growing. And while nurseries are a wonderful font of, of amazing plants, they don't carry everything because why? Because we can't, we just don't have enough room. And the fact is, is that as a gardener, it's all part of the great art of exploring. So I really want for us to kind of move into the direction of exploring a little bit more. There's also some very interesting uh, perennials that are not a bad idea to start right now that might be a little bit uh, slower in the growth and could would actually appreciate this time, but getting a little ahead of ourselves right now. Um, so I want to be sure to hit all of the things that aren't going to grow particularly quick or things that I want some size at that won't have the size if I, if I seed them in the spring. So this is why I like to talk a lot about the vines and again about uh, certain types of perennials. But let's make sure we've got everything because you know what we don't. One other thing I just thought of uh, that I think is a good idea are little blank stick tags. Nothing in the world is worse than having something really, really cool and you don't remember what it was. You threw away the package you know, those little stick tags, you can buy like 50 of them for probably five bucks. Write the name on it. Um, I'm going to, and anybody who knows me is going to be rolling their eyes because you know me well enough. I'm going to recommend that you put down the botanical name because there's too many plants that are called Black-Eyed Susan. 
And uh, we really, really want to be very specific because if you enjoy it the next year, you can say, I'm looking for this plant. It's called Black Eyed Susan. And somebody's going to show you about 30 different things called Black Eyed Susan. But if you call it a Thumbergenia, then they'll say, oh, yeah, hey, I know that. I don't have a plant, but I've got the seeds. Um, And there you go with that. So I think that it's kind of a cool idea to get those in larger, larger pots. Um, Let's definitely, um, we want, once we get these uh, to germinate, I definitely think having an oscillating fan is a very good idea. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, now why in the name would he ask me to have a fan in there? Well, it's actually quite simple. One, it'll help keep air rotation um, and keep things from rotting. Uh, That's always a good thing when you've put a lot of hard work and money into things. But it's also a great opportunity. Think of, of wind as the plants lifting weights. The plants need to lift weights to be strong. You ever had, you know, I remember when I was a little boy, I had an herb garden that I put in my mother's kitchen window. And I was so excited. They germinated. They got really, really tall. And then they flopped over and died. Well, there was no resistance. They need resistance. They need to lift weights. So an oscillating fan, and we don't have to turn it on um, cyclone setting, uh, but a nice low setting is pretty good. And, you know, you may end up finding that you enjoy a little air moving around you anyway. So... We definitely want to look at uh, look at uh, a nice little inexpensive oscillating fan, and I know you're going to be triply rewarded for that. So another medium, though, that I want to I want to kind of touch base in is also called rock wool. Now, rock wool is another type of germination medium. It's also a great medium for cuttings as well. And we're going to talk about cuttings at another time. But rock wool is literally, it's kind of a spun uh, volcanic pumice. And it holds moisture nicely. It You put a couple of seeds in each piece of rock wool, moisten it down. And what's really cool is that you never, ever have to dig it up out of the original medium. You just simply lift it out of the, the tray. So rock wool is pretty cool. Rock wool typically comes in sheets of maybe about 50 to 75, depending. Um, it can be a little, little bit more expensive, but honestly, I don't think it's that much more expensive. It lasts a long time. And just with the convenience and the ease of using, sometimes, in my opinion, it, it kind of offsets it a little bit. But also there's peat pots. Uh, we all grew up with those uh, those fabulous little peat pots that you put soil in. But there's also the ones that are compressed peat pots that are dried up. I think they're kind of cool. And even and if you have kids, this is actually a really cool thing. Because I remember as a child, I thought it was kind of magical when you'd put it in water and it would expand. Um Probably was a very easy child to entertain. So <laughs> yay for my mother on that one. But but I do believe that some of the uh, peat pots are really, really great op- uh, options. They're cost effective. Typically, you can pick them up for like 10 cents a piece. Um, so you can get a whole bag of them for virtually nothing. And again, kind of like the rock wool, once it's germinated and it's and it's ready to go outside, you just put the whole thing in a hole and call it a day. Um, kind of a nice, uh, nice such uh, setup. So 
those are going to be some of the mediums that you're going to want to use. Um, let us talk about pots though, real quick. And, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but remember that if you're going to start something in a container that you're going to leave it in, um, that's fine. But what we want to do is we want to be very, 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 very careful with water. Um, one thing that when I've started my Cobea or my uh, cup and saucer uh, uh, vines, I went ahead and I started them in the container I was growing them in. But it was a fairly large container, and I had to be very, very, very careful that I did not overwater them. I need you to be very aware of that. So some of the things that I did, because it was a significant pot, is I actually dug around in the soil uh, as deep as I could go to see if it was moist. You know, I watered it really, really, really well the first time. And I did not have to water again for probably three or four weeks. Um, not to say that that's going to be your situation, but it was mine and I had to be very, very aware of it. So I share that with you, um, that you too should be very, very aware of these things. Um, four inch containers. I think you could probably go to most nurseries and they'll just give, uh, give you some used ones. Now, when you do that, I'm going to recommend that you take them home, uh, soak them in hot water, maybe with a little bit of bleach in them. What we want to do is we want to get those tidied up, cleaned up, and we want to make sure any pathogens that could possibly be on it are dead. That way we're setting ourselves up for the best possible, uh, outcome. Um, so those are going to be really the containers that you're going to probably want to use. You can certainly use um, cell packs. Cell packs will definitely offer um, a whole other situation. I tend to not use a whole lot of cell packs. And I think honest, if I had to be honest, it's because it's just more plastic in the world. And I just kind of want to try to get as far away from as much plastic. I want to use, I want plastic, but I want plastic that I can use over and over and over and over again. And like four inch pots, I have a stack of them in my home um, that I won't get rid of because I do use them and I like to propagate things and I like to play around and see what I can do. So the four inch pots are are just a great option. Um, they're plastic, but what the hey. Um one another thing that I want to talk about, I had a friend of mine who did some planting and she started in January as well. And <laughs> you guys, if you would have seen this, you would have giggled yourself. Her plants, by the time she was ready to plant them and take them outside, were enormous. Absolutely enormous. So I propose that we do things in a bit of a rotation. I like the idea of doing anything larger and things that are a bit slower. Uh, I like doing those in January and about mid January is, is kind of my, my benchmark, if you will. So about mid January, I like to begin getting those started. And frankly speaking, it's usually when I'm about ready to go uh, start climbing the walls because I can't get out and play in the garden or do what I want to do. So um, I really, really enjoy playing around with, uh, the vines and maybe some, uh, some, uh, perennials that are kind of cool to do. And then I do two week uh, rotations. So at the end of January, now I might start another set of what I've just planted because I might want 
to get some different heights and uh, some different maturities going on. But then right about the mid part of February, you know what? That's when we begin. I begin doing my first round of annual. So if it's impatience or petunias or things of that nature, I do my first round of them. I don't do them all at once. And then I'll start breaking it up a little bit more into week long rotations. And what I'm doing is I'm just simply giving myself a little bit of room. Um, I don't want to have everything ready all at once. I want to, I, and, and frankly speaking, I'll probably have some leftover, which is never a bad thing because keep them watered. And then we always have a hole over there or a hole over there. And we can actually take that and begin filling it back up. Other things that I think are really great um, is if you can find some geraniums, it's a great opportunity to start taking geranium cuttings. Geranium cuttings are going to be a little bit more on the slower side. They're going to want a little bit more time. But I tell you, you start these early and you set yourself up to succeed exponentially. Now, I'm a big fan, like I like I just said, of doing the annuals and perennials and vines. And you're probably saying, um, but what about my food garden there, Anthony? I know you don't like food gardens. Well, whether I like them or not, you know, I tend to like to start all of my food garden uh, about the about mid to latter part of February. That way, by the time we get into our actual growing season, I've got a significant plant that will have a very long life on it. Now, keep in mind, most of your veggies are going to be um, light sensitive. So they're going to be reacting to the light. Remember that when you put them outdoors, um, you're going to start seeing a huge explosion. We definitely, of course, want to plant all, uh, or I'm sorry, not plant, but we definitely want to enrich our soil and whatnot. But when we actually take it and put it outside, you're going to see quite an explosion for a while. It's going to be important, though, to remember, never, ever bury them too deep. That's not a good thing. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we get further into spring. But this is a time to start planting. And there's so many seeds out there. Territorial is one of my favorites. Uh, they have such a diverse group of plants that they are offering. Their seeds have never failed me. And I can say that about botanical interest as well. They're extremely good companies. They're also companies that appear to have a conscious. When, you know, and, and, and that's, that, that is some of the Pacific Northwest that is still with me. Um, I like to work with companies that instead of, Instead of just getting things out there, um, territorial and botanical interests, they have missions, they've got a way of doing things, and they're doing things, honestly, to make the world a better place to be. So I highly recommend supporting, you know, no matter what company you get from, though, I think it's a good idea. Just remember to do yourself a favor on every pack. I want you to turn that seed pack around. I want you to look at the date. Uh, oftentimes... Um, you'll get, you'll see some that are from a couple of years ago. And I'm sure it's not the vendor or the, uh, the nursery. It's probably something that just got missed. So if you take that and take it up to the front, uh, to the cashier and just let them know that you found this, it's a good thing. And 
and more than likely they'll probably just say keep it that's free um but know that when we do buy things that are out of date then the germination rate is of course affected so we need to make sure we get all those amazing seeds and i want you to really 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 be adventurous i want you to have fun because i think seeds in some respects are almost more fun than actually buying plants buying plants i bet we're all thinking about to ourselves yep that would be nice anthony well you know what i tell you what i've got some plants that are coming down the pike that you all need to know about now jenny at my garden nursery typically carries a plethora, I love that word, plethora, of hydrangeas. I think my last year I was there, we had probably about 40 different cultivars and species that we were offering. Um, They are just getting more and more amazing. Um, the, The Endless Summer Collection is getting bigger and bigger. There is now one that is called Popstar. It is, it's Hydrangea macrophylla, but it is, this variety here is Popstar. It is going to hit right in and about, say, 18 to 36 inches. So it's not going to be a huge uh, one for you, but it is going to give you some flowers that are really reminiscent of a lace cap. So I am thinking to myself, self, I'm thinking, this would be a really, really, really fun one to have. All of the the endless summers so far that I've seen have been flawless performers. We also have one that is just uh, it's a hybrid hydrangea that is called Cloud Nine. This reminds me of a cultivar that we had the last year I was at my garden called Shooting Star. Shooting Star was a very interesting variety. But uh, this is going to be snow white. The flowers are going to have jagged edges to them. Now, the biggest difference between this one and shooting star is that it's not on a very long petiole um, or stem. So those are going to be really, 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 really fun. Another interesting variety that of a hydrangea is going to be the Glacier Bay. Glacier Bay is going to have flowers that have a lot of substance to them, so they're going to be very thick. Oftentimes, some of the macrophyllas tend to be very dainty. They're very thin, but oh my goodness, uh, this one here is almost waxy. Um, Absolutely gorgeous. There are an entire host of paniculatas or the woody varieties um, that are coming down. You know, it's been really nice that uh, we've gotten some now that are beyond the chartreuse green. I don't know about you guys, but while I think they're pretty, um, I got about sick to damn death of them. So I really want something a little bit more interesting. And there is one that is called pufferfish. Okay, really, who would not like a hydrangea in their garden called puffer fish i think this is pretty amazing this is going to be for both washington all the way over to my end of the world here in new jersey and you know you can think about this bad boy it's going to get about three to four feet tall and it will have big fat fluffy flowers and it will be crazy all summer long 
I'm really recommending, this is going to be a really good one to go ahead and, and use for cuttings. Um, I think they'll just be magnificent. Anybody still doing roses? Oh my gosh, roses are a big deal out here. I know they should be a big deal in Washington State because they do so, so well. Remember, if you're doing roses, spray them with orchard spray every week to avoid any nastiness. There are some really, really, really cool varieties of roses that are coming down the pike as well. Um, a lot of them are going to be some of the old fashions, uh, some of the... Um, some of the old English roses, they're really starting to uh, take a hold of those now and start uh, starting to cultivate them like crazy. I'm going to recommend uh, Raspberry Cupcake. Absolutely gorgeous. It's a strange name. It does make you kind of hungry and kind of makes me want a cupcake, to be really honest. But there you go. Uh, but Raspberry Cupcake is a marvelous variety, um, having a very, very thick, full flower. Uh, it is a true raspberry color, and it literally covers the shrub from spring all the way in into uh, fall. So definitely one, you know, I could sit and go on and on about some of these new cultivars um, of roses, but the reality is, is that I really want you guys to check these out. Some perennials that are kind of fun that are, that are coming down. Um, if y'all are familiar with Nepeta, Nepeta is also called cat mint, not nip, but cat mint. There have been some really cool varieties that have uh, come down the pike in the past couple of years. Um, of recent, there is a cultivar called Nova Blue. This is a really, really beautiful color blue. It is. It almost would remind you of Monk's Hood, if you're familiar with Monk's Hood. It is almost... I mean, I stopped short of saying cobalt because it is not cobalt, but it is a deep, 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 deep blue. Um, it's well-behaved. It doesn't get out of hand. This one here is going to hit probably, I would say, about 18 to 22 inches. So it's going to be a really interesting uh, variety that I think people should be aware of at the very, very, very least. There are some new varieties of Black-Eyed Susan coming out. Rudebeckia is becoming kind of all the all the rage this time let's go around um gold blitz is a new variety that came out this one here is supposed to have more blooming than you can shake a bloody stick at so you know gold, uh, rutabecchias are uh, or or uh, um uh, black eyed susans are a performer anyhow but these are supposed to really, really knock that one home. Just in kind of wrapping up for uh, for this issue, be on the lookout for a whole a lot, whole litany of new varieties. Um, so there's some new bee balm. There are some new varieties of agastache. If you guys are familiar with agastache, it has a beautiful. The foliage is beautiful aroma. And it is probably one of the single best pollinators that I could think of. There are new varieties of Veronica coming out. There's new varieties of Echinacea or Coneflowers coming out. So this is going to be a pretty remarkable year when it comes to new things. And so really, I want you to kind of use the whole, let's do something new as a mantra this year. Let's do something we've never done. And you know what? Here's the deal. There's no such thing as failure, right? We simply learn. We write down, planted, blah, 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 um, didn't work out well. 
um, I'm going to investigate and write down what you find because you know what? I've got volumes of things that I failed on. And what's cool is that I can actually say, I think I remember trying to grow that and I'll go take a look. And now I see, oh, okay, there was my error. Um, it wasn't the plant at all. I was being an idiot. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to try something different. Let's kind of go out on a limb and remember everybody support your local um, nurseries. They are there working their little tail feathers off for you. And I would absolutely adore it if y'all were to come see me up here in um, Cherry Hill, New Jersey at McNaughton's Nursery. I think that would be marvelous. And if I saw you, I'd probably run up and give you a big fat hug and a kiss. So all of that said, I want you to, I, I do want you to remember that you can always, always give me a, drop me a line at askantony at outlook.com. Um, you know, and you have been, you've been playing with me in the garden now for, you know, where does time go for several years? And, uh, I'm really, really happy that you've tuned in to KPNWDB and given me a shout. I look forward to hearing from you. And with that, you all have an amazing, amazing month. Stay warm, enjoy your seeds, and I can't wait to talk to you in February. Bye now.